Will you pray with me? Gracious God, we do not live by bread alone. Let the heavenly food of the scripture we are about to hear nourish us today in the ways of eternal life through Jesus Christ, the bread of heaven. Amen. Today's Old Testament scripture reading is coming from the book of Genesis, chapter 22, verses 1 through 14. Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 through 14. Listen for God's word. The command of sacrifice for Isaac. After these things, God tested Abraham, and he said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I shall show you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. He cut the wood for the burnt offering and set out and went to the place in the distance that God had shown him. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place far away. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey, the boy and I will go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife, and the two of them walked on together. Isaac said to his father, Abraham, Father, and he said, Here I am, my son. He said, The fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them walked on together. When they came to the place that God had shown him, Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to kill his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day. On the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Today's New Testament reading comes from the book of Romans, chapter 6, verses 12 through 23. Listen for the word of the Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies, so that you obey their desires. No longer present your members to sin as instruments of unrighteousness but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and present your members to God as instruments of righteousness. 
for sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. What then? Should we sin because we are not under law, but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you who were slaves in sin have become obedient from the heart to the form of teaching to which you were entrusted, and that you, having been set free from sin, have become enslaved to righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of your limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and lawlessness, leading to even more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. When you were slaves in, of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. So what fruit did you then gain from the things of which you now are ashamed? The end of those things is death. But now that you have been freed from sin and enslaved to God, the fruit you have leads to sanctifi sanctification, and the end is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Dear gracious God, thank you for your word that tells us you sent your one and only son to die that we might live. Use me, O Lord, as your vessel to speak your truth. Bless those who hear your word, that they might believe and receive eternal life through Jesus Christ. Now let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Today's sermon title is Freed from Sin. The words slave and slavery evoke all kinds of thoughts, emotion, and tension. The transatlantic slave trade and slavery in America and points beyond are dark blemishes in the world history. Yet history holds true to the fact that there are not many people groups down through history who have not been enslaved. The context of today's passage from Romans is of one such period in time where slavery was the norm. The ancient institution of slavery was a basic reality in Greco-Roman society, reaching its highest proportion in the first centuries BC and AD with varying estimates of one-fifth to one-third of the population enslaved. Slavery was a despicable institution, devaluing the dignity of human beings. The legal status of a slave was that of a thing. And although early Christianity did not officially challenge slavery because to do so would invoke the wrath of mighty Rome against Christians, the gospel did sow the seeds 
that have contributed towards the overthrow of the institution of slavery. For example, Galatians 3 and 28, that is Christ, that is in Christ, there is neither slave nor free. Ephesians 6, 5 through 9, obey your earthly masters with respect as you obey Christ, not with a slavery performed merely for looks to please people, but as slaves of Christ doing the will of God from the soul. And his strong encouragement to Philemon to let his slave Onesimus go free. Sometimes things taken out of context can lead to a multitude of sin which leads to death as Paul aptly points, points this out in his passage of Romans chapter six. Context is everything. It brings understanding and meaning to the situation at hand. Prior to this point, in Paul's letter to the Romans, Paul was teaching Jews and Gentiles alike to turn their focus from the law to believing in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and what that meant for them as followers of Christ. For the promise that he would inherit the world did not come to Abraham or to his descendants through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if it is the inheritance of the law who are to be their heirs, faith is null and promises void. For the law brings wrath. Paul also spoke of justification by faith. It will be reckoned to us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was handed over for our trespasses and was raised for our justification. Belief in Jesus, life, death, resurrection, and ascension leads to justification by faith. Here in chapter 6, Paul spoke to the Romans about living a Christian life, the reality of justification in daily living. Paul made his point to the Romans on living out justification by faith by contrasting a life of sin to a life of obedience. He used slavery to illustrate the two extreme choices that Christians faced, a life of submission to sin and a life of submission to God. In verses 12 through 14, Paul reminded the Christians in Rome to do everything to prevent sin from overtaking them. Those verses read like a battle between good and evil, a spiritual battle, if you will. Do not let sin reign over your life. Do not let sin reign over your body and make you a slave to every temptation. Do not let the members of your body be used for evil. Paul wanted them to remember they were raised from death to life in Christ. Emmanuel, God with us, God with them, always through the power of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, sin is null and void by the grace of God. God's grace in being with each of us reminds me of the poem Footprints, where a man dreamed he was walking on the beach with the Lord, and through each scene of his life, there were two sets of footprints. 
But in that last scene of his life, the lowest and saddest time of his life, there was only one set of footprints. Of course, he questioned why the Lord would abandon him in his greatest, his greatest and desperate time of need. And the Lord, the Lord replied, my precious, precious child, I love you. I would never leave you. During your times of trials and suffering, when you see only one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. Emmanuel, God with us, God of grace, which covers all of our sins. In verse 15, Paul posed great questions to his fellow Christians in Rome. So when you then, since you are under grace, did it mean that sin had no dominion over them? Did having grace mean that they would be free to sin whenever they wanted to because they were under grace? Paul's answer was an emphatic no. Paul wanted the Roman Christians to understand that to whomever or whatever they presented themselves or devoted their lives to made them slaves of that person or thing. The scripture tells us that Paul spoke to the Romans in terms they could understand. As humans, in comparison to God, their understanding was limited. They understood the culture of slavery because it was part of their society. So Paul did well to speak in such terms, to drive home the point of not being slaves to sin and not being under the law because law leads to sin and sin leads to death. You heard the saying, rules are meant to be broken. Well, that's because human beings are broken. Broken in every kind of way and in need of God's grace through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen? Amen. And so basically what Paul said to the Romans is if you are going to be slaves to something, why not be slaves to righteousness as opposed to sin? Thank God you have wholeheartedly become obedient to the form of teaching to which you were entrusted, freed from, from sin, slaves to righteousness for sanctification. Sanctification the great advantage that leads to eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul stated the facts to the Christians in Rome, in Rome with his words in verses 13 and 17. His statement in the indicative mood those who have been brought from death to life, reflects baptism and speaks to the fact that these Christians in Rome submitted themselves to baptism, died to sin, and were raised to life in Christ. Therefore, to continue to live in sin is out of sync with everything that is about Christ. The point that Paul made 
to the Romans in verse 17 is that having been slaves of sin, Christians have now been transformed so that they have become obedient to this new pattern from the heart. Paul's emphasis is not on how much of the heart is put into obedience, but on the fact that it comes from the heart as opposed to being mere outward conformity. There is no advantage to being a slave. There is only death. And since the Roman Christians were freed from sin and enslaved to God, the reward of their sanctification is ended in eternal life. Think about a time when you felt trapped or enslaved by someone, something, or a condition. Last Sunday, Pastor Calvin's sermon, Fear Not, Trust in God, he said the struggles in Christian discipleship are real and difficult. Indeed, they are. Sometimes fear can overwhelm us, and we can become slaves to our fears. But today, God wants us to know we are indeed freed from sin in Christ. Therefore, we must be devoted to living towards righteousness for sanctification to receive the free gift of God that is eternal life. This Christian life is hard, so how do we do this? How do we live towards righteousness for our sanctification to receive eternal life? Theologian Daniel Migliari describes sanctification as the process of growth in Christian love. As we are conformed to the image of Christ, we are released from self-centeredness into a love of God and our neighbors. Migliori's five marks of growth in the ongoing process of sanctification are maturing as hearers of the word, maturing in prayer, maturing in freedom for the service of God and others, maturing in solidarity, our love for all creatures, particularly the poor and the outcast, and finally, maturing in the faithfulness, in the thankfulness and joy. Now these five marks in the process of sanctification are not anything new to us as Christians. However, they are a good reminder to all of us as we faithfully live out a life in Christ. Maturing as hearers of the word means we are guided by God's word in every aspect of our lives. The scriptures testify to God's reign over us and in our lives and is a witness to God's grace and love for us for our sanctification through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Hearing and reading God's word daily has a transformative effect on our lives, bringing us closer in relationship to our triune God. The Gospel of John says, "In in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overtake it. 
Because we are God's people maturing in God's word, we can carry the light to the rest of the world. God gave us a means for communicating with God through Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, and that is prayer. Every time we pray, we show our love and our gratitude to God. We go to God in prayer with thanksgiving and petition for others and for ourselves. Maturing in prayer means we go to God knowing our help comes from the Lord. By God's grace, we are freed from sin to live in Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. We are free to love God and to do God's will and service to all humankind. By God's grace, we are freed from the sin that can lead us to discriminate against one another in accordance to socioeconomic status, to race, to religion, and to nationality. We mature in freedom when we learn to execute the greatest commandment, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. This is maturing in solidarity. As Christians, we are called to love one another, not just our family and our friends, but everyone, especially the poor and the outcast, those living on the margins of society. Take every opportunity to share the word with the people you meet, with the people you work with, with those who live next door to you. Sometimes we're just so busy that our focus becomes self-centered and we are only concerned about who and what are directly connected to our lives. With God as our focus, we mature in solidarity because God commands us to love our neighbors as ourselves. Finally, friends, the Heidelberg Catechism sums up the Christian life in a single lovely term, thanksgiving. In the same tradition, the brief statement of faith includes these lines. In gratitude to God, empowered by the Spirit, we strive to serve Christ in our daily tasks and to live holy and joyful lives. We are freed from sin as we mature in thankfulness and in joy. Meaning, our thankfulness and joy are an outgrowth of our utter dependence on God's mercy, resulting in heartfelt praise, expression of gratitude, open friendship, and joyful service to God. The good news today, brothers and sisters, is by God's grace we are freed from sin. We are justified by faith in Jesus Christ for our, sanctifi for our sanctification. For the wages of sin is death, but thanks be to God. The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.